weirdly enough, it was the only thing I could control. So what I put in my mouth, that was the only thing that I could control in my life. I couldn't control that I was gay and I couldn't control that I wasn't going to give my parents children like they wanted to. I couldn't control, you know, my grades at school because I was obviously, you know, all of that was affecting my school life. So it was the only thing that I could control in my life. And, and that's why it became, you know, it became that thing that I, I would do in those times of sadness, happiness, in those times of um, being scared. You know, it was it was the only thing I, I turned to, really. And welcome back to another episode of Simming Stories. I'm your host, Claire Oldham-West. There's lots of things I can say for today's episode. We all know what's going off and Corona is making our lives very, very difficult indeed and to stay in touch with one another. It's quite an isolating time, isn't it? It really can be. And I hope that if you listen to this podcast, you feel a bit of a sense of a community, that you're listening with people that are struggling with their weight too. Around this craziness where you can't even buy the normal things from a supermarket. And it's so, so difficult, isn't it, that everything's been put off kilter we're all kind of dancing to a different beat and what do we do do we panic do we focus on the harshness of this virus what what do we do what mindset do we get into and it's really really difficult when you're looking after elderly parents and you've got young children just to deal with your own stuff I guess around this but what I would say is in today's episode David Baverstock is an absolute gem I have loved this episode and it was only when I was editing the podcast because I do edit in in advance. When I listened to it back and I was like, my goodness, this guy is is just simply amazing. This story is so gripping and honest and I love it and I know that it'll inspire you too. Now, there is a bit of a trigger warning. David does talk about how he lost his mum last year and the fight that she gave for her life. So if that's something that maybe you've lost somebody and you feel that you don't want to hear that, then that's just a trigger warning. But I think a lot of people, especially when it comes to grief, it's nice to kind of hear something that they can relate to. In David's story today, you will see that it was able to connect the fact that with his mum's struggles, he had been gifted with a healthy body and he needed to do everything in his power to maintain that. And that is how he continued to get back on track and... I really do think this will inspire you. I think it's quite uplifting. There's a lot that goes off in this story. I don't want to spoil it for you. So here's introducing David today. So David has lost a staggering amount of weight. I just want to start by telling our listeners how your story with your weight loss has gone so far. Yep. So in total, I've lost 16 and a half stone. I started Slimming World many years ago and each time that I had followed it, I was never successful. I always followed it for a couple of weeks and then, and I don't think I changed the habits. I just looked at it as a diet and, um, you know, and, and I would say, oh, I can't have this because I'm trying to lose weight or I'm on a diet. And I think that that approach just got me bigger and bigger and bigger. And I eventually got up to, I think I was about 28 stone and I, I had so many health conditions. I had severe sleep apnea. So I used to have to sleep with an oxygen mask every night. And I mean, I was only, I think I was like 30 when I had this oxygen mask. So I was just in a new relationship as well. So I had to get into bed with somebody with this mask on. I felt like Darth Vader, like it was just absolutely soul destroying. Um, And 
obviously if I went on holiday I had to take the mask with me and it was it, it was just so depressing and and to put that mask on every single night it was so suffocating it um you know I couldn't I always woke up and I had like red marks across my nose or um big red marks all around my face where the mask was like obviously stuck to my face overnight and it was just absolutely horrible to have to live like that I also had like type 2 diabetes I had problems with with my bones my joints I think my heart was missing a beat as well because um, the physical fat that I had was suffocating all of my organs. I went to a theme park and I got on the ride and as I closed the harness down on me, it was literally on the last clip and, um, and just before the ride took off, the clip opened and so the, the harness was loose and obviously there's like, they have like alarms and stuff so they knew that that, that had happened but I then had to kind of get off of that ride and do the walk of shame in front of the whole oh, crew, the whole, the whole lot of people because the ride, obviously I was too big for it. And, and there were so many problems, you know, I couldn't go on holiday because um, we, we went once and I needed a seatbelt extension and there wasn't one on the plane, so we couldn't fly. And then that stopped me then booking any other holiday and, and it, it just got, I got so severely depressed with everything it was absolutely it, it was just you know I was in such a bad place and I stopped going out I stopped socializing with people I didn't want to I didn't want to see people I was embarrassed by my weight. I couldn't even do my own shoelaces up I had to get my partner to do my laces up because when I bent forward I found it hard to breathe mm. um I then went to the doctors that they put me on loads of different things they put me on slimming tablets which which every any, if you ate anything with any kind of oil I was like a, it left like a snail trail behind me with um, it was just absolutely a horrible way of life and um, and then I had to go to the doctors because of my sleep apnea and the doctor said to me that I'm on the highest amount of oxygen that anyone could have at home so obviously I could have more concentrated oxygen but I'd have to go into hospital and obviously each time when you've got sleep apnea each time you go to sleep if you don't have that mask you run the risk that you won't make the night because obviously you stop during the night so it was always that risk that if I didn't wear it I was I remember and I'd go out drinking and I'd have to remember when I got home to put that mask on and it was it was just yeah it was just absolutely horrible so as I said went to the doctor and he said that the amount of oxygen I was on was the highest amount that I could be on and if my weight carried on how it was then he would say that I'd have a life expectancy of eight years and oh, it goodness. was um yeah and to be told that at 30 and my mum was with me and my mum was like absolutely heartbroken and and I think as well for me food became it became such an addiction I think my it became my best friend but also my worst enemy so you know it, it was my coping mechanism it was it was everything for me but it was killing me as well so you know I needed to take drastic action and and to see my mum crying and my sister had just had a little baby girl and to know that you know I wouldn't see my niece grow up and it was just it was what I needed that short that 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 shock to really get me into you know to get my mindset sorted and to realize that you know I need to change so just to unpick everything that you've said there and, and I've just sat listening to this you know I've been at work today and I'm so looking forward to doing this podcast because again it's it's another guest with such a, a 
fantastic story that we don't hear. We don't hear these details, do we? You know, when we look at a magazine and you know, we look no. at before and after, we don't hear this. And I'm so pleased that you've been so honest to be able to come on here and, and explain this to me. It's just, it's wonderful. So just to go back a bit, you've got this realisation that your life is going to be cut short. So leading up to the weight going on, at what point did you yeah. start to recognise that you had an, an issue with food? So with, with myself and with the guests that I've interviewed, some guests have it started maybe in the 20s, maybe at school. So for me, yeah. mine started around 11. I recognise that my control, my, my behaviour around food was totally different to those around me. So at what point did you recognise that something was, was, was wrong with how you saw food? I think probably from a very young age, probably about 12, 12, 13, I remember I would, I would get chocolates, like we'd have like, celebra- like you know, like quality street and stuff like that. And I would always hide the, hide the, the wrappers. And my mum would always say, what, um, every time I'm washing like your dressing gown or your trousers, I've got loads and loads of sweet wrappers in there. And, you know, and I, and I felt ashamed eating food as well. I felt quite, it was what I turned to when I needed it. So it became like a, an addiction, but, I felt I felt really bad when I was doing it, and and mm. I, I I couldn't understand why I felt that way, and and I think it carried on throughout my teenage years. And obviously, I'm gay, so d- during that time, obviously before I came out as well, it was my you know it was my way of dealing with any kind of emotion around my sexuality, around around acceptance, because my coming out was such a you know such a terrible a terrible way of what happened and you know and, and how my parents and everyone reacted so food became my only constant really it was there for me throughout the whole of the day and you know and it, it was just my I, I I say it's my best friend but at the same time it was my worst enemy mm. because you get that comfort don't you in that moment of of that gorge yeah. that binge you get that that serotonin release yeah. almost and it's it's that high and then it's a realization. Oh my yeah, goodness! Exactly. I've just eaten, you know, a day's worth of calories in, a, in an hour. Yeah, exactly that. And it was, you know, and it was also it was weirdly enough, it was the only thing I could control. So what I put in my mouth, that was the only thing that I could control in my life. I couldn't control that I was gay, and I couldn't control that I wasn't going to give my parents children like they wanted to. I couldn't control, you know, my grades at school because I was obviously, you know, all of that was affecting my school life. So it was the only thing that I could control in my life, and and that's why it became, you know, it became that thing that I I would do in those times of sadness, happiness, in those times of. Um, being scared you know it was it was the only thing I, I turned to really so you mentioned there that you couldn't give your parents what they wanted and yeah. did that weigh heavy on your mind not being able to be this this perfect son that you thought your parents needed being being gay is that, is that what you thought in your mind that to be perfect would be to be straight without problems and complications yeah yeah, I think, I mean, I'm 35 now. So obviously I came out when I was 20. So, you know, 15 years, the world has come so far. So back yeah. then, the ideal, you know, I'd, you know, in an ideal world, it was you would marry, you'd have children, you'd have a house. You know, it was what every, you know, every parent wanted. And, you know, my parents are from London. So they're, you know, so my dad's a man's man. So he was a typical football, going to football every weekend. And, um, you know, and, and there was nobody else in my family that was gay either. So it was no one I could look up to, nobody I could talk to. You know, it was just me. And, and 
you know, and obviously I lived with that for so long and, you know, the upset of, you know, and I tried to distance myself from them because of that reason, because I didn't want to get too attached to them because I thought there's going to be a time where we're not going to, you know, we're never going to talk again. So, and it was then that food became my mum, food became my dad, food became my best friend, my sister, my brother. It was, you know, it was, as I said, the only constant that I would have in my life. Right. So you're in your twenties, you're out, you're proud, you, you know, you've had that conversation with your parents. Did you have to break away from your parents then for a long time before you could heal those relationships again? Yeah, we had about a year, a year and a half time where we didn't see each other. We didn't speak. At the time I was very selfish and thinking that it's all about me. Whereas they needed time to heal as well. They needed time to come to terms with, you know, their life isn't going to be, or, you know, what they thought my life was going to be is, isn't how it was going to end up. So I think now looking back now as a 35 year old man, they needed that time. They needed, you know, they needed that time to heal, you know, whereas it, I think it isn't always about me. It isn't always about the person, you know, there are other people around, there are other people that you need to consider. So yeah, so we, we had to break away and we had um, a couple of years apart that eventually healed. And, you know, we got very, very close and, you know, the the acceptance came and, you know, which, which was absolutely amazing. That's that's, that's lovely to hear that 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 happened. So now you're in your twenties and you've recognized this issue with your weight at what point did you contact Slimming World? At what point did you decide that, okay, I'm, I'm having to wear this mask and it's just ridiculous, I'm out of breath, and that you've had this news that you've got this yeah. life expectancy? When I was in my early 20s, I, I obviously had a lot of weight to lose and I joined Weight Watchers and I lost eight stone with Weight Watchers and I went on to become a Weight Watchers leader and done absolutely amazing i loved it but behind the scenes it was the obsession with the numbers came through and i started to starve myself i started to really it really affected my mental health because every day every day i tried to strive to eat less than i did the day before and then i would i would have days where i would save up all my points because i knew i was going out the weekend and then the weekend would come and then i'd have a big blowout and and it was only now when i look back that behavior was was um restricting and binging and it you know and that happened week on week on week on and it just mentally affected me and i had to step away from weight watchers for that reason and that's the the weight that i'd lost because then i never changed any habits i never changed no lifestyle all those grooves that are so deeply ingrained i carried on following it i carried on my life the way i was so binging restricting all during the week and then the weight just piled back on and some more and which is why I then tried Slimming World and I think because Weight Watchers and Slimming World were so different back then in terms of yes. with Weight Watchers a jacket potato was so frowned upon or pasta <laughs> whereas with Slimming World it's eat as much as you like of that, that, that food yeah. so I could never really get my head around it and I think that I probably tried it about 20 times and it just didn't work. Like it just, well, it did work, but I couldn't get, I, I couldn't throw myself into it because every time I ate something, it was, well, would that be 15 points? You've only got 20 for the day. It mentally affected me. So I then tried so many other diets. I tried 
shakes like where I just live on milkshakes for the whole day I think I probably lasted three or four days with that and then and then I ended up just eating so like I'd, I, I swear to god I, people would walk past me I'd want to eat their legs because I was so <laughs> hungry and it, honestly and I tried every single everything you could think of but anyway so then when the doctor then gave me that news I thought something needs to change it can't be a diet it can't be something that I'm counting numbers I don't want to count numbers for anymore I'm fed up of you know looking at uh, some food on a plate and looking at it as an excel you know as an excel grid you know like a mm. microsoft excel plate because i was looking thinking that's that's about three points that's seven points that's nine points you know and, and it wasn't no lifestyle you know i would go out and the whole way through my meal i'd be thinking right if i stop eating now then i could probably say i've only eaten half of that dish and then i can half the points and you know and, and i and i knew if i had any chance of losing this weight and any chance of surviving then I needed to completely overhaul my life so I then decided then to give Slimming World another try I went to a group and I just couldn't get on with with going to group those scowls it affected me so so much the mm. having to explain every single week why I'd lost or why I'd gained or so I I decided to join online and that's what I did and I think having that that life expectancy there that was enough to give me that that sh I mean and don't get me wrong I've not been an angel every day since you know it's been you know I'd have good weeks and I'd have bad weeks but overall I was learning to I was learning that everybody has those good and bad weeks and naturally slim person will have a bad week but they then don't write the rest of the month off or the rest of the year off they you know they just carry on and you know so I slowly started to turn those grooves you know they, that's so deeply ingrained I started to turn them into positive you know positive ways of doing them and positive approach and seeing everything as a lifestyle change and thinking okay there's birthday cake here I don't need to eat the whole lot because next week is going to be someone else's birthday and there's be cake then do you know so yeah. whereas with Weight Watchers it got you know I would think well I'm going to restart tomorrow so I won't eat that cake now I'll eat all of that cake now because tomorrow I'm never going to have it again. And I, and yeah. I started to change the way I thought about it. I would celebrate my neighbor's birthday who I don't even talk to. Like I would literally <laughs> anybody's birthday for an excuse of anyone's Absolutely. birthday. I would have cake and custard and, and everything. Or so, yeah. So then I, as I said, I done started to do it online, started to lose the weight. And then once I was comfortable with the lifestyle and how I was approaching it, I then, went back to a group and going back to a group was the best thing that I did because obviously you're in a room full of like-minded people and I think at that point I wanted my life to change I you know I wasn't you know it wasn't an, a chore anymore to go to that group you know I, I formed friendships with people in there you know and I learned that there is no humiliation you know I, you know and the way I look at it now is the weight gain is just as important as a weight loss because when you have that gain you appreciate the weight you've lost you know i absolutely love going to group now it is it's my safe place it's a place where i feel happy you know and absolutely you know i, I don't think i'd ever go anywhere else now it's you know it's my it's my happy place surely you've 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 gone through a change yeah. haven't you from recognizing that you needed to change your mindset and not just going back to group you've had that time to learn and to accept yeah. that you needed to change before you've gone back into the family fold if you like and it's such a lovely space i believe a, a group yeah. and i've had guests on that have done weight watchers and slimming world 
to feel part of something where you're all yeah. kind of like heading in the same direction with the same goal is, is a lovely experience, isn't it? Because of the journey I've been on, weight really interests me and how it changes people's lives and, you know, and how it can have such an effect on every area of your life. And I think that, you know, I've been, you know, I've been 20 stone, I've then been 14, I've then been 28 stone, I've then been 12 stone. So I've kind of gone up, down, up, down, you know, yo-yo dieted all my life. And I think that, you know, I really recognize that and you know and and it's something that i would absolutely love to do so i think in the future it's something i would really you know consider but it's just so time consuming in terms of what you have to do and you know my hat goes off to every single one of those consultants because i've helped them do leafleting so i mean i think i walked twenty five thousand steps one day to, to wow. leaflet um with my consultants so yeah and they do i think they have to do that like four sundays every so many months and okay. yeah so i think but you know absolutely amazing they do such an incredible job right and how do you find it as a guy in a swim world group because where i live i think we have one no two guys sometimes three <laughs> there's not many it's mainly just a, a room of, of ladies yeah. so how do you find your presence there to be honest it's it, it's fine you know it's you don't really notice that you're a guy you know i don't feel any different in the room the only time i do is when the consultant mentions that a guy gets 10 more sins a day than a female and then and then everyone <laughs> starts you know oh lucky you lucky you until that point they probably don't even realize i'm a man until they until they know I more sins than them. <laughs> absolutely yeah when exactly you, so when you started your journey at your highest weight was you 28 stone is that what you've just mentioned yep. 28 stone and yes where are you now yeah, in your yeah. weight loss so and now i am 12 13 stone now um basically i lost i, I lost 16 and a half stone in total and absolutely i came off the oxygen mask you know uh, the, the consultant was you know so proud that you know i didn't need to sleep with that mask anymore um, my physical fat got lowered and you know and my heart my heart rhythm went back to normal um i don't have to take any diabetes medication anymore so it really overhauled my whole lifestyle you know and absolutely feel incredible for it and then um and then in may of 2019 my i sadly lost my mum um really suddenly there was no you know there was no warning she had a nine week battle in hospital that you know i didn't leave her side i was with her from the moment you know the moment we was allowed to visit till the moment visiting stopped you know at 11 o'clock that night and i then even stayed towards the end i slept at the hospital in the room with her so she wasn't on her own and that really took its toll on me and um i regained two stone of of my weight loss so I'm currently sitting at a 14 stone weight loss and I'm now trying to get that to get that back off because I don't feel comfortable any you know in myself anymore and you know and I think that I know I need to try and get back to that happy place again it's you know it's been a few months now since we've lost my mum and I'm you know I'm ready to try and you know try and pick my life back up and you know do what made her proud because you know obviously when I was told I only had eight years to live and you know, to see the heartbreak on her face and then to see the joy when we was at that hospital and the consultant said, you know, you don't need the mask anymore. I want that mask back. You know, you're, you know, you're so lucky you're now off of it. You know, well done. You've worked. And to see that, them, them happy tears, you know, I, I want to carry on with my life to know that she's proud and, uh, you know, and she'd be proud of me anyway, but I want to, you know, I want to keep myself as healthy as I can because, 
one thing I learned with my mum is that, you know, in the end, the only thing that you've got is your body. And, you know, if, if your body's not fit and your body's not up to, you know, that strength, then it's not going to, you know, it's not going to pull you through. So it's the only, it's the only thing. So rather than food now being my only constant, it's my body, my only constant now. So, you know, if, if I get to the point in, you know, 15, 20 years time where I need my body to fight for me, I want to give it the best chance to. Mm. so I'm, I'm so sorry you lost your your mum the way that you did and it was such a shock yeah. shock to your to your yeah. life and having this massive emotional challenge obviously grief yeah. is 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 crazy the the emotions that you go through the anger the the sadness all of all all that in the mix with yeah. weight loss and the fact that you've had issues with weight in the past must be a heavy thing mm-hmm. To, to go through and I'm so glad that you know you, you've had this weight gain but you, you know you, you've lost your mum and you've you've recognized that you've, you've gone through this big thing and you, you're doing everything that you can to to still make you your mum proud now that now that she's passed and and I can't imagine what you've got you've gone through yeah. but it must be so difficult just to to rein that in and not go the other end and think right okay I've lost my mom she is my world and I'm gonna eat on that and I'm gonna get back to that 28 stone so at what point did you recognize that you wasn't gonna do that and you was gonna hold on to to that weight loss I think I had a good a good few months after losing my mom where where I did have that attitude where you know it, it it I think more more than eating for comfort it was more it was more eat you know I was keeping myself so busy when I lost my mom I I didn't want to sit still I didn't want to you know I wanted to keep busy because I couldn't let those feelings in you know I I knew that they was bubbling and I knew that I you know what if I let that emotion in then it was going to completely destroy me so I kept really busy and because I was really busy and rushing around and trying to you know organize the funeral and trying to do everything to you know to make her proud I didn't have time to eat so I was grabbing stuff on the go and you know and obviously that then turned to sugary stuff and high fat stuff and all that kind of food that I would avoid so that then turned into a few months of starting to binge again and um you know because obviously those behaviors come back and I started to feel out of control and I started to get those same feelings back as what I had before where it was the only control method that I had and you know I couldn't control anything going on and you know and I started to do that and you know and then I remember one one night I was sitting there probably about four or five months after losing my mum I was sitting there and I thought to myself what you know what are you doing what would my mum say to me now my mum was here you know my mum my mum was on my whole journey with me you know she was 53 years of age when she passed away and you know she had such an incredible life and I thought to myself you know what are you going to do you know you know I'm just going to make myself bigger I'm going to end up you know going to end up dying like you know like I was going you know like I would have done I thought in my head that life is so short there is, you know we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring and why spend the rest of our life or the rest of the time we've got unhappy miserable you know not having a life to live not being able to go on those holidays not being able to go to the theme park not being able to you know to run around after your nieces and nephews not be able to have that life that my mum's now been cruelly been taken away from her you know it was a bit of an insult for me to 
eat myself to death when you know if you would have seen my mum how she fought you know at the end she was in hospital for nine weeks and she had no energy whatsoever she'd lost every single muscle that she ever had she couldn't even lift a phone and hold a phone up in her hand but when she fought that doing physio would keep her alive she got on a bike in the bed so they put like a bike in the bed with her and she pedaled for a mile she pedaled for 10 minutes and she and every step that she was every step that she was taking she was the tears was falling down her face but she said i'm gonna fight i'm gonna fight i'm gonna fight and i remember laying in bed this day i remember laying in bed this day and thinking to myself what are you doing like why are you she's lost her life and you've still got yours ahead of you. And what are you, you know, what are you doing with it? Do you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, otherwise it should have been me that went and not her. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think it was that point where I thought, no, you need to sort it out. You know, you need to, you've, you've still got a life, you know, my mum would give anything to still be here today. And, and it was that point where I thought enough is enough. I need to, you know, bring myself back to reality and I need to get this weight off. And, you know, and it was that point that I then went back to my Slimming World group, was welcomed with open arms. And, you know, it was the best thing that I ever did. And, you know, I've slowly started to get some of that weight off and, you know, and slowly starting to feel better again. And um, obviously every day's, I miss my mum, but, you know, I'm doing it for her and I'm doing it for me and my brother and my sister and my dad and everyone else in my life, my partner, you know, everyone that's there with me. So, they don't have to go through another loss like we've all like we've just had to go through my goodness i can't just can't imagine that and the, the fight that your mum put up and and the, the yeah. tears that she shed and you, you've, you've gone through all that and you've recognized that your life matters your body matters and you're going to respect your body just as your mum did yeah while she fought fought for her life yeah. and she must be so proud she must be so proud looking down and, and to see how you've managed this. Yeah. People listening will recognise that this is something that they've got into the pattern of. Maybe they've also had grief like you have. And I know there's people yeah. in our group mm. that have, have lost parents. It's such a it's it's a thing that you law that you kinda you know is you know, death is is a natural part of life and you know it's gonna happen at some point. But when it yeah. turns up and it's unexpected and you have to go through that process, it's so hard. And, and, and the story that you shared will, will help people that have been through those situations similar to yourself. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. And I'm, I'm so pleased that you've been able to turn it around and, and you've, you've now yeah. got this new life without the, the breathing apparatus with a, a doctor that's so super proud of you. So just going back to that conversation yeah. that you mentioned before with, with the doctor and he in wanting the, the apparatus back, obviously support the NHS. <laughs> they need every penny, <laughs> don't they? So no, you can't yeah, do exactly. that. So yeah. absolutely. So when you heard that from the doctor's mouth, what what was that feeling like? It was the most happiest feeling that I've ever felt in my life to know that you know that that hard work that I'd put in was was worth it and it had helped everything in my life. You know, I really felt better in myself anyway. I think I went down from, I think I was a five XL in tops and I went down to a small, extra small, small. I think I was a 54 waist and I'm now a 30 to 32. So I'd already felt amazing anyway, but to then be told that, you know, I don't need this mask anymore and that my life expectancy, every other element, so the, you know, the, the fat in my, around my organs, everything else that was affecting me was now 
gone it was it was absolutely amazing the most happiest thing i'd felt in my life and you know what? i left there and normally you would have left there and gone for a cake or something like that to celebrate and you know what i remember we stopped off on the way home and at the petrol garage i got a bottle of water and it was the best bottle of water i'd ever <laughs> tasted in my life because it just felt like medicine it was like wow do you know what i mean because i think you and my mum said this at the end as well and she said that you you take for granted things like the um you know the fill of the air on your face or the you know the taste of a cold glass of water you know those things that you take for granted that when they're faced that you're going to lose them it's something yeah. that's you know it's it, it really it really hits home and you know as I said it was the best bottle of water I'd ever had in my life it really oh, was lovely. and I was just absolutely so over the moon with it oh definitely I mean it's just just so inspiring my the last guy that I interviewed was facing similar situation to to yourself but he was given the choice to lose weight first so we hadn't gone down the route of having the mask but that was on the agenda and he was suffering with the uh, sleep apnea where he was having constant um constant sleep interruptions so i'm so so glad that you've been able to turn that around so now that your lungs are functioning and you're fit and healthy are you finding yourself able to move more are you wanting to do that so how is your ability to go out and exercise now that you're lighter and you're fitter and you're in a healthy body? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so much more easy, obviously, and but it feels good as well. Like, I love walking. I'd, I'll never be a gym person. I think I've, no. I joined, to God's honest, if I joined a gym, I had a gym membership for so long <laughs> and I would go, but I would... But I would go to the gym to have tea and, like, tea and cake and literally <laughs> I would pay for the privilege of it, but... I'm not a gym person, but um, walking, you know, I, I started the couch to 5k as well, just before I lost my mum. So I started doing that. And, and I remember a funny story. I was, I'd, I was a couple of days into doing it and I felt really, really good. And then all of a sudden I was running around where I live and all of a sudden there was this bib, like this car bibby next to me. And when I looked, it was my mum and she went, what on effing hell are you doing? Like, why are you, where are you running to? Like this. And she was just like, she'd never, ever seen anything like it in her life. And, and yeah, and, I, and I'd done a, few, a good few weeks at the Capture 5K and I was doing absolutely amazing. Obviously then, you know, everything happened with my mum and I kind of took my eye off the ball, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start it up again because it does make you feel so much better. It really does like to be yeah. out and I, I will never be, a, I can never ever do the gym. No, I take yeah. my hat off to anyone who can, you can do that. I just, to be outside, I would, because I'm, I'm a naturally nosy person. So, you know, I would look at people as I'm run, but when you're at a gym and you're just looking at a brick wall, I just, but um, running and walking and, you know, all that, even just, even just running after the children and, you know, taking the dogs out and everything like that, we, you know, is so much better now. And, you know, obviously, as I said, you take those things for granted when you can't do them. So now I'm, I'm trying to make the most of it all the time. Brilliant. And it, you sound to me be a person that's at peace. All that, all that chaos yeah. or the, the panic yeah. of coming home after a night out, all of that has gone. And you know, you, you've, yeah. you've seen your mum go through this. You've had you've had a massive wake up call, and you've got your life back on track. And it sounds like you you found some peace with the exercise and and the weight yeah. loss. And it, it's it's lovely to hear. So it must be it must be a daunting thing for anybody listening to this that has such a large weight loss to come to terms with. And I'm not sure what the term is, if it's, is it morbidly obese, the, the weight that he was at? But for somebody who's listened yeah. to this that may be of a similar 
size to your starting weight, what piece of advice could you give to help them to, to just start, just to take stock of, of what they're doing to the bodies, what, what is happening with their health? What could you say to that person? I would say, firstly, take each step as it comes. So take each day. Don't put too much expectation on yourself. If you can get through, you know, I started with taking a meal at a time. So, you know, if I got through breakfast and, you know, I ate healthily and I felt good, then I then went on to lunch. You know, I didn't I didn't look to the future. I just wanted to get through those initial few days. Once you kind of get a few days under your belt, it's like it feels a bit like natural medicine because you start to feel like you feel the difference and it, it becomes so natural to you making those choices. So I think it's taking each day as it comes, but also on the other hand, looking at it as a lifestyle. So not looking at it as a diet, you know, you need to get that weight off. But the way that I got tripped up in the past is by thinking once you get to target, life is perfect. You know, if the birds are going to come out singing, it's going to be like mm. a Disney movie. And it isn't because the way you feel, you know, the way you feel when you've got, a stone to lose and the way you feel when you're at target is exactly the same. There is no different. There's still going to be birthdays. There's still going to be Christmases. There's still going to be, you know, all of those things that are going on. So it's, it's about it being a lifestyle. So if you go out one day and you do eat, you know, something that's a high sin or a high point or high calories, whatever program it is you're doing, then that's fine. You know, just go into the next meal with the, with the mindset of, okay, this next meal, you're going to make the difference. Don't blow the week off because of one bad meal. Don't blow, blow the day off or, you know, or the day off because of one bad meal. It's, it's about, it's about treating it as a lifestyle and, you know, not using those excuses of birthdays and Christmases because they're always going to come. They're always going to be there. They're always, you know, every single year is going to be your birthday, your mum's birthday, your dad's birthday, your brothers, your sisters, mm. your partners, your dogs, your, your neighbours, <laughs> Mary down the road. It's always going to be that. So, you know, it's about trying to find those new ways, those new grooves. And I think that if it is that you have a slice of cake, have that cake and don't have any guilt around it because the moment you've got that guilt with that food, then it will then spiral into you know a bigger problem and then you'll end up eating more and because you probably wouldn't gain weight if you've had that slice of cake it's what comes after that will be that weight gain so mm. take each day as it comes and look at it as a lifestyle change that will be my main piece of advice and I think the next part is to you know to understand as I said before that your body is the only thing that you have so you need to be kind on your body when you're younger for it to help you you know reach old bones and, and to help you you know when you're older when you need that you know that bit of help because you may not notice those problems with your knees now carrying those extra two three four stone around but when you're you know in your 50s and your 60s that's when you will notice it so it's about you know being kind to your body now and making sure that when you're older you know you, your hard work will pay off absolutely and that that is that is great advice and if anybody's going to take any advice, and I will take it from David, because at the end of the day, he's he's done the work, he's had the the weight loss, and is now able to lead a fit and a healthy life. So, for for anybody that would like to follow you on Instagram, David, what's your Instagram handle? So my Instagram handle is it's Davies World. So that's it's davies d-a-v-e-y-s and in world so all one word no no underscore or anything just it's davies world brilliant and i will also put that on my itunes feed as well so all the information will be on there so i just want to thank you 
David for joining me today and for, for sharing the information and your story. It's been a delight just to to listen to you and to hear how you've been able to, to turn your your life around and thank you so much for joining me. No, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I feel so grateful right now just to be in a healthy body. I really, really do. And I'm privileged to be in a position where I can self-isolate. I need minimal contact with my parents I'm getting a shopping for. My workplace have given me time off just to be away from the community and to isolate, which is fantastic. And I know that's not the case for everybody. And for those nurses, those doctors, those cleaners, those porters, people working in the shops, people working out in the streets, taking the rubbish away and making sure that this country functions as it should do on a normal week without the virus. They are absolute superheroes. I'm classed as a key worker, but I've been taken away from my daily role. The people that are going out, walking into hospitals and getting on with their jobs is just just amazing it really really is and they've also got families as well they've also got people that they need to keep safe and yet they're surrounding themselves with people so I just want to say a massive thanks to anybody listening that has those jobs that often go unrecognized so the bin men and women I should say that <laughs> the bin people that take away the rubbish the people on the streets keeping our streets clean the people in the shops serving the food and stacking the shelves and making sure that we can still continue to live a reasonably normal life. So thank you, thank you so much for doing everything that you do. And the cleaners in the hospitals, how often do we celebrate the fact that we've got people to clean our hospitals to keep them sanitised? And I remember when I had my son, as soon as a patient went out with their child, then they would come in and literally just strip back that area. They would take the, uh, the bedding off, the mattress clean the whole bed down and this is happening now in hospitals and they don't get any recognition so just a massive thank you to all the staff that are helping keeping our hospitals clean and safe and of course the nurses and the doctors it's a time of isolation isn't it it's a time that we need to keep ourselves to ourselves physically but there's so much that we can do to stay connected and if we're aware of anybody elderly that may not be in a position where they're able to communicate on a regular basis then do reach out to those people and just go and say hi you don't have to speak face to face it could just be a handwritten letter just asking if they're okay if they need any help and offering your your time and your service to to those people in our community that are a little bit isolated I'm really grateful as well that I'm in a, a small village and the local pharmacy has had volunteers taking medicines to and from those families that are vulnerable and those elderly people. And it's just so, so lovely. And on Facebook, we'll go on and we'll say, has anybody seen any eggs? And then pasta, <laughs> trying to find those bits that we can still keep within our within our diets to keep us uh, motoring along. And maybe now is the time that we don't focus on the number on the scales, at the end of the day, we can't get to our slimming groups, can we? But maybe we'll just start looking at a pair of jeans or a skirt, something to focus on to get us through these weeks when accountability is more difficult because I haven't got the gyms to go to, the running groups, the slimming clubs. All those things have been taken away. But I'm so pleased that there's so much online. There's so many communities that we can go to and we can interact with just to get that bit more motivation 
and there's a lady in our village that has a, a local gym and she is offered a gym club free and she goes on there and she does workouts. I know Davina McCall, she's offered a free month for her workouts and obviously Joe Wicks that's helping the school children. As of yet, my son's still not got into that. <laughs> but I'll make sure he gets to do something really, really well. But there's so much if we look. But what I would say for those of you that are aware of somebody both elderly or maybe somebody vulnerable that is isolated or generally lives alone, they're the people that we need to be looking out for and making sure they're kept safe and well. So a big hug from me. You will probably see more bonus episodes as I'm isolated and I might go crazy if I don't have anything creative to do. So you may see some more bonus episodes popping up. So thank you so much for joining me and until next time, take care.